You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Good evening, everyone. Please remain standing for a few more moments. We're going to read together. I'm going to go straight in. So much, so full of what I want to share with you this evening. I'm so um, excited about what God is doing here and I want to make sure that I impart not just the word, but this, the excitement as well. Um, just, just pretend you never saw that. Um, so we're going we're gonna, to um, read together, and the, the scripture is going to come on uh, to the screen, and I'd like us to read out loud together um, before uh, I pray and you take your seats. Um, so uh, after three, if we could read this uh, passage we're going to read from Exodus 25 as well as um, Psalms 100, a few verses there as well. In fact, we'll read the entire Psalms 100. It's not that long, uh, but we're going to read nine verses here and then skip over to Psalms 100. And please read as passionately, as loudly as you can together after three. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three, read. The Lord said, the Israelites, to bring me, you are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And now to Psalms 100 reading from the Passion Translation and it reads, lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. As you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord, our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass with the password Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving. And he is. Last verse. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the richness of it, the power of it, the truth of it, the transformation that will take place in us as we meditate on it and we ingest it and we, Lord, live by it. We thank you that you, uh, we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so we thank you now for a preceding word. We ask that you will speak to us. We are listening for your voice. Uh, we, we are open to what you have to say. 
And so we ask, Lord, that you will cause the eyes of our understanding to be open wide today, that we may see further than we've ever seen before. Open our ears to hear you clearly, because you said in your word that my sheep, they know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So we thank you for being a speaking God, and we're a listening people. And in Jesus' name, we give you praise for what we're about to receive. And the church said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is good to see you as much as I can in this lighting. Um, but, and it's also good to be here um, uh, talking about this uh, amazing series that we're on, um, The Passion for the Presence. It's been uh, a joy to be in it. Um, uh, this is the fourth week, as been mentioned. The, f- the first three weeks we've had, it's been incredible. Started off, uh, uh, Dr. John Andrews came and kicked us off with image and intimacy. And then week two, uh, Pastor Esther brought to us, you'd better come in. And followed last week by Pastor Martin, who brought to us, seek and find. Uh, and all of these teachings are available on a podcast um, if you wish to hear them, if you haven't yet heard them, um, please go online to the website and listen. It, is, it will be transformative for you. It will change your life. You will not be the same again. If you listen to the words that have been taught over these past few weeks and not just listen to them, but um, apply the principles that have been shared with us. Amen? Is that cool? Okay, so... Um, as a church, we've been uh, seeking to understand more about God over these past few weeks and the presence of God. And particularly last week, we've seen uh, so many people in our meetings um, get to a, a deeper place of intimacy with God, pushing into God, entering in and taking new ground. And that's been incredible to see. We're, we are beginning to taste some things of God's presence that we've not had before here. Sweet uh, richness of God's presence. Um, anybody witness that? Anybody agree with that? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but it's uh, but I have felt more uh, God being the momentum of God's presence escalating in this house. I believe that God is setting us up for something extraordinary that's yet to come, uh, and we won't know the moment it's going to happen. But God is a God of suddenly, and I believe suddenly something's going to burst open in this house, and we're going to experience a profound overflow of the glory of God. I'm excited about that day coming. I don't know about you, but I am excited about it coming. Are you excited about it coming? Do you believe it's coming? All right. Um, Now, I know that this uh, experience has been uh, great for a lot of us, but I know also some of us may not have been able to yet connect with this series. Uh, For you, maybe there has been a wrestling within you, uh, a sense of uh, dissatisfaction or even disconnect from what's been going on. Um, you've come along to services because that's what you do, and you've sat in the, the meetings and you've attended uh, faithfully, but you've not necessarily felt the same passion that I've been communicating this evening and that we have just been singing about on this platform by the wonderful worship team that led us so effectively into the presence of God. It may be you're on, on the outskirts looking in on something that you want to be a part of, but you don't really fee- know how to get there. This is what this series is about. And I, I want you to know that if that's you tonight, God sees you. Uh, our God is all seeing. And he sees you and knows you where you are, exactly where you are. And he knows how to get you from where you are to where you need to be. You're not here by accident. Uh, this God that we are serving, the God that I'm talking about this evening, 
um, is a personal God. And he's in love with every single one of you in this space. If I could articulate the, the, the way God loves you in words, uh, I would be spending the entire time just rambling on about that love. Because it's incredible. It's indescribable. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And I can't get enough of it. Uh, can you tell that I'm in love with Jesus? Uh, and it's not something that I'm ashamed to tell you. I've been in love with him for a minute. Uh, and he's been good, consistently good to me. Uh, when I wasn't good, when I wasn't faithful, God has been faithful. Uh, when I wasn't true, he has always been true. He's, he's reliable. Uh, this God that we serve is so incredible. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet known him or come to know him, if you are not yet uh, someone who's given their life to Jesus, this is the best invitation I can offer you. Uh, it is the, the greatest decision that you will ever make in your lifetime. Uh, better than any decision that you'll ever make. To get married, to have children, to uh, buy a new house, a new car, whatever you may list on that list of things that you have the desires for, the greatest desire that you can ever have is to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here that witnesses that, that can say amen to that, who agrees with that? So, um, in our text today, uh, we read um, from uh, the uh, book of Exodus and we read about this man, uh, well, I'll give some context to it before we move forward. We read in Exodus about God speaking to Moses about telling the Israelite people to bring an offering to him, um, if they were willing to do so, of a list of things. And the offering that was um, listed was to bring about a construct to build something for the presence of God. Um, the Israelites were invited to bring a, a, an array of materials that they had in their position, possession uh, for the construct of a tabernacle. Um, I, I want you to know that when God asks you for something, it's because you possess it. If you don't possess it, he won't ask you for it. So the fact that God asked them to bring these things, these offerings, uh, a list that we just read in Exodus 25, meant that they had it in their position, possession. Uh, and so they needed to make a decision out of willingness whether or not they were going to bring what they possessed for the building of a place for God's presence. This is an important truth for us because I want you to know that God doesn't need a building. He is big. Um, but what he has done is invited us to somehow take part in a process of constructing something for his presence, even though he's bigger than the thing that we're going to make. He, he just wants us involved. And so he gives a blueprint to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to give this blueprint to the children and tell them to build me something because I want to dwell with them. We heard already from Tracy um, as she recounted something that we were told in this series, how God's passion for his people is greater than our passion for him. As much as we want to be with God, God wants to be with you more. 
And as incredible as that sounds, because you know you. And you sometimes don't want to be with you. Am I lying? Uh, uh, But God always wants to be with you. He's passionate about you. He's desperate for your presence. And so Moses is given this uh, blueprint. He's given this blueprint and gives the children of Israel uh, a, a, a blueprint of what to make uh, so that he can dwell with his people. And this God uh, who came down to Mount Sinai and gives this blueprint says to Moses, uh, tell the children of Israel to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering f- for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. Then I will make a sanctuary. Then let them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Um, now, this is a picture, I'm, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but this is a picture of the tabernacle. I want you to see a picture of what it looks like. This is a picture of the tabernacle. Do you see that? Can you see that? Okay, great. So, so this is a picture of uh, an image of what the tabernacle could have looked like. And you see it's a, a big space with a, another like tent thing in the middle, and there's a couple of bits of furniture thrown in there. Now, for those of you who may not know, that the, the area that we're looking at, the whole complex is a holy place. And there's an outer court area, which is what we're looking at now with the burning um, altar there and the, and the uh, laver, which is a wash basin. And then there's an inner sanctuary area. And all of this construct is holy. I'm going to show you another image, the next image along. This is what the tabernacle would look like at night time. Um, the Israelites would camp around the tabernacle, um, the dwelling place where God's presence is. And that, as you see, rising uh, or coming down from the, the skies to the t- tabernacle itself is the fire of God's presence. And at night time, God would come in to the t- tabernacle in this form as a pillar of fire. And the reason why he would do that is because at nighttime in the wilderness, it can get very cold. Uh, I have been to the wilderness of Israel, and I know uh, the temperature there drops severely at night. And in the daytime, it rises incredibly, and it's, it's fiercely hot. And that, so in the daytime, God becomes a pillar of cloud for them. And this pillar of cloud covers over the nation of Israel as they travel through the wilderness on their journey to the promise. Oh, God, help me talk. So uh, they're making this journey, and God becomes a pillar of cloud by day because you need AC during the day. You need shade, right? And at night, what do you need? Central heating. So God becomes whatever we need him to become at the time we need him to become it. If you need a savior, he becomes savior. If you need healer to be healed in your body, God becomes the healer. Wherever you need him to be, he becomes whatever you need him to be at the time you need him to be it. He is not just a pillar of fire, but if you need him to be a pillar of fire in your life, he can be that. Oh my goodness. So the great I am that I am God, um, this is how he manifested and helped his people, Israel, at night time. They camped around the tabernacle because really uh, this is a message in itself because we should be spending our lives camping around the presence. 
God should be the center of what we're doing in our lives. And everything that we should be doing should be centered around whatever God's doing. Does that make sense? Next slide. We see here is a plan of the, the access into this holy place. And there's one entrance to the east. Traveling from east to west, you see the altar that we showed on the outer court area. You see the altar of sacrifice. And you entered through the gate, the east gate. And the first front piece of furniture you came to was this altar of sacrifice. And there they would put an, an, an offering, an animal that was slain. And it would be um, consumed by fire and offered up to God. Um, for this, um, whether it be um, on a day of atonement, atonement for sins of the nation um, or other offerings that were offered up on that uh, various different days. Then you would come to the bronze basin, it's called a laver, and it was a wash basin for the priest. And this was in the outer court area before you got into the tabernacle proper. And the tabernacle um, was called the holy place. One section of it was called the holy place, as you can see, and he had three pieces of furniture in it. You had a menorah, a lampstand, which is a seven-branch lampstand, and the lampstand was the, the only source of light in the tabernacle. This is important because this represents to us the illumination or the revelation of Holy Spirit. Because God is saying to us that you cannot take your natural understanding into the holy place. Whatever you know um, outside, your intellect can operate in the outer court, but you can't operate intellectually in the holy place. You need revelation. Because you can't see God with your natural eyes in this place. In this place requires you to see with the eyes of God. So God gives you illumination through the menorah. And then you have a table of showbread or table of presence where we have common union with God. God fellowships with us and we fellowship with him. And then uh, to the west, just before the, the separation between the holy place and the holy of holies, you have another altar of incense and they'd put incense on there. The priest would then put a specially composed incense onto this altar and a coals from the fire from the altar on the outside would be taken into the inside and put on that altar there. And then incense would be put on it and smoke would go up and fill the whole space with smoke. And at that point then... The, the priest would go, be able to go in from the holy place into the holy of holies where there would be the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody heard of that before? And the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God in Israel. It was the, the footstool of God or the throne of God. Okay? And this is what it looks like. Next picture, please. So this is what the Ark would look looked like. Uh, and it was a, a box basically made of, of, of acacia wood overlaid with gold within and without. And it had a lid, this bit on the top of it, that lid uh, with two cherubim angels facing each other was called the mercy seat. You heard of that before? So that's the lid that went on to the top of the box. And that box represents the presence of God. And the Israelites would carry that ark on their shoulders throughout the whole journey when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. This is how they carried the presence of God on the shoulders of the Levites. Oh. This is interesting to me because this box, um, the lid alone weighed almost a ton. So naturally, you, you, if they try to lift that box up in the natural with their shoulders on that stick, it, those sticks would break. Not phys physically, uh, from physics, it's not really possible. But exactly this is how it was traveled. 
they, for 40 years, this is how they moved and carried the presence of God throughout the times they traveled in the wilderness. How did they do that? The scriptures tells us in 1 Chronicles 20, 15 that God helped the Levites carry the ark. Because whatever God asks you to carry, he helps you to carry. Whatever assignment you have in life from God, it's going to be weighty. That's how you know it's God. Because if you could carry it by yourself, it would probably be you. But when God gives us something to do, it's usually bigger than us. And when we have that weight to carry, God helps us to carry it. That's, some, that's a good place to say amen. So the priests, so the journey for the priests is to go from the outside to the inside, from the outer court into the Holy of Holies. He's making a journey east to west, and the objective is to get to the ark of God, to get to where the God glorious presence of God is in the Holy of Holies. As you, you will notice that I said the whole area itself is holy. All of it. However, the, there's gradations of holy. The further you go in, the holier it gets. The outer court is holy, but it's not as holy as the holy place. And the holy place is holier than the outer court, but it's not as holy as the holy of holies. The further you move towards God, the holier it becomes. Did you hear me? And we are striving as a church to move closer, push in, to go in further into that place to where God is. And therefore, it gets holier and hotter the more I push in. And, and, so, and that idea will cause us to feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable because we are serving a holy God who requires us to be holy as he is holy. Is that making any sense? Okay, so this is this tabernacle, the picture of journeying from the outside to the inside to where God is, is a picture in the New Testament of worship. And it's the journey that we make from uh, the natural to the spiritual. We're making our way to God. We're journeying into the presence of God. And as we journey to the presence of God, we need to know what are the steps that we take to get from where we are to where he is. Now, we know that God is everywhere present. Don't we know that? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present at the same time. But we're talking here about the manifest presence of God, about getting to a place in God where we can experience God in a tangible way. Not just here in the public space in this gathering on a Sunday, but also on a Monday when we go to work or we go to uni. We want, we want the presence of God with us. We want to be able to tap into that presence of God and experience God in a glorious way. Does that make sense? Is that what I, that's what I do you want that? Oh, oh, you, do you want that, Trace? That's what I'm after. Is anyone else here after that? It's this hunger for God that we need to push into God. We need to passionately push and, uh, into the presence of God. And so there is protocols that we need to understand about um, entering into the presence of God. And David helps us with this. King David, who was a worshiper and a passionate pursuer of God, discovered that there was a way to move not be into the presence of God without bringing animals, which is good for us because I don't have any sheep at home to slay, but uh, David discovered that there was a way that 
that God revealed to him that where you could bring something to God that was still acceptable to God, that would get you access into the gates, into the courts of God's presence, and into the Holy of Holies. This is what we're going to talk about for the next few moments. I'm going to uh, tell you the first one. Psalms 100 verse 4 comes on the screen. Read it for me. It says, enter. Read it with me. Enter. Let's go back to the screen when you had before. Psalms 100. There you go. Enter. And into. Be. And. So this stage, uh, God is saying to you, um, please enter. Please enter. Now, there have been times when I have said from my lips, and I'm sure you might have said from yours, and might have heard it has been said, Lord, please come. I need you. Please come, Holy Spirit. Uh, we want you to come. But here the text doesn't say that at all. It says we must enter. It's, it's, it's almost saying to, uh, uh, going back to what I was saying just moments ago, that it's not that God is absent from our, our presence. God is everywhere present at the same time. He's present now. God is always with us, but we are not always with God. And so God is saying to you and I that, I am always here. I'm available. And this idea of God being everywhere present and available to us uh, 24-7, you can liken that to the, the electricity that powers this building. Electricity is constantly available to us. We can, uh, at any point, that we, that we use it to power the lights and it powers the amplifications, the, music, the instruments that we use. It's, it's always available. And you see these sockets that are on the walls throughout the building, and also I'm sure it's the same in your house, that if you want access to the power, you can get it. But you have to do something. You have to do what? Plug in. It's God's presence is always available to us, but we need to plug in to God to be able to access the power of God in our lives. So, uh, what we're talking about tonight is how do we plug in and keep the plug in? Because some of us, we plug in and then we plug out. We push the socket in, we get charged up, and then we plug it out, and then we lose power, and then we have to come back to the plug in. But um, uh, uh, let me encourage you, stay plugged in. Let your plug be permanently installed into the socket of God's presence. And that way you never move away from it. The source of power is always available to you. That's what I want to try and do. How about you? Anybody want to? Okay. So uh, the, the scripture says we enter his gates with, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Is that right? Uh, with thanksgiving. So um, um, let's, David discovered that um, instead of bringing an animal to the presence of God, you can bring a spiritual gift. Uh, and that spiritual gift, he says, is called thanksgiving. And, and so, uh, uh, so you can enter or get access into the gates of God's presence. We talked about the gates in the, tab in the tabernacle and how the gate was the only way in. 
And obviously, this is a picture of Jesus being the door, and that he is the only way to the Father. And also, the entire tabernacle, in fact, is a picture of Christ. The altar that you come to is a symbol or represents the, the cross of Jesus Christ, where he put his, laid his life down for us so that we could have access to the throne of God. So it's the, the entire tabernacle speaks of Jesus. He is the way. There's no one, no one that we can get to the Father but by Christ. We understand that, right? We accept that. So in this journey that we're making, we are making a journey as worshippers of God and saying, God, I'm coming to your gates with thanksgiving. Why is this so important? In, in um, the Eastern culture, it was considered rude to turn up to someone's house without a gift. Does that make sense to you? Okay, in, in, our, in, in the West Indies, uh, we have a phrase. Uh, I shared it with the, the, the church this morning, and, and it goes something like this. Uh, don't turn up to somebody's house with your langan. Now, the term langan, you might not be familiar with, but it basically means don't come empty-handed. Don't turn up with your empty hand. It's considered to be slightly rude to turn up to someone's house without something. So even today, we would go to visit somebody. You might bring a bottle of wine or some flowers or some chocolates. Yes? If you don't, if you've not yet done that, let me encourage you to do that. <laughs> yeah, turn up to someone's house. They invited you to come around. Bring a gift. Bring a gift. Go and buy that gift and bring it. So here, here is the, the, the journey now. We're making it. And I want us to begin to do this ourselves. I want us to interact with this process, and I want us to do it. So I'm going to talk about it, but we're talking about it in order that we may do it. Because I want you to leave here with tools that you can use tomorrow morning. So the first um, word uh, I want to introduce to you in this uh, process is this a Hebrew word, toda. Say that with me. Now, toda, his definition is here, hands up as a sacrifice of thanksgiving, confession and admittance. So toda in the Hebrew language is a concrete language. It's not like our Western language, which is an abstract language. Um, in, in the Hebrew, um, it always uh, reduces down to something practical that you can do. So thanksgiving for a Hebrew is not word spoken. It is an action. It is a posture of the body. And the posture is hands up as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. It's recognizing that he has done so much for me, first being the cross of Jesus Christ, that he sacrificed his life for me. And, and so I'm going to bring uh, an offering of gratitude to God for his sacrifice. Uh, it's also saying to me that um, there may be times when I don't feel like praising God. Uh, and I said this morning that there are only two times, in fact, that you're required to praise God. Only two times. You praise God when you feel like it. That's the first time. The only other time is when you don't feel like it. Those are the two times only. Uh, if in between that, you can do what you like. But when you feel like praising God, you have to praise God. But when you don't feel like praising God, you also have to praise God. Because the God that we serve is good all the time. His faithfulness is throughout all generations. He doesn't stop being God because we feel badly or because we're going through difficult moments. God is still good and he's still worthy of praise. 
The word of God says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Uh, so there isn't a time in your life when God should not be praised. So if you're going through a good time, a good season now in your life, uh, I'm going to encourage you to praise God in a second for the good time that you're going through. But let me help you out because not everybody's going through good times right now. Some people in this room might be going through a really tough, difficult moment. Um, but let me encourage you that that moment and that season of difficulty will pass because seasons come and go for all of us. And sometimes it's sunny, but sometimes it's rainy. But whether it's sunny or rainy, it's God is still worthy of my praise. So I want us to posture ourselves now uh, for the next 60 seconds. Let's practice something. So I want you to stand to your feet. Everybody put your Bibles and your things down that you're taking notes with. Thank you for taking notes. And I want you to, to begin to toe to God. We're going to do this first without music and without the accompaniment of musicians. The reason why we're going to do this is because I, you're not going to have musicians at, at home tomorrow. You're not going to have them in the office. You're not going to have them in uni. But you still need to posture yourself in a position where you can give God and bring God a toda. Bring God something worthy of his name. So I want you to lift your hands up to God as uh, a position of toda. And I want you to begin to open up your mouth and begin to tell him something of his goodness. Tell him how thankful you are for everything that you're going through. And I want you to lift your voice as loudly as you can. You may not feel like it right now, but you're not doing it because you feel like it, but because God is worthy. Let me hear the saints give thanks to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are kind. Thank you that you are generous. Thank you that you saved my life. Thank you for Calvary, Jesus. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for raising again from the dead. Thank you for, Lord God, being my intercessor right now. Thank you, Lord God, for providing for me. Thank you, Lord God, for setting me free. Thank you for the time when you healed my body. Thank you for the time, Lord God, when you provided for me when I didn't have any source of provision. Thank you for the roof over my head, Father. Thank you for the bed that I lie in. Thank you for the clothes that I wear. Thank you for the breath in my body. Thank you, Lord God, that I'm healthy and I'm strong and in my right mind. Thank you, Lord God, that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord God, that you are great. Thank you that you are good. Thank you, Lord God, that I can give you thanks for all that you've done in my life. I will not stop giving thanks to God because he has been too kind, too good, too generous, too faithful. Oh, the Lord is worthy of my thanks. Is there anybody still wants to give God thanks in this room? Lift up your thanksgiving offering to God. Lift it up to God. Lift your voice to the King. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We enter your gates right now with our toad of God. We lift up a praise to you, King. King and Savior. Now, uh, I, I, I want to move us on, not because I want to stop giving thanks to God, because he, I can't stop thanking him. He's been too kind to me. But I want to get us a little further down the road. Is that okay? Can we move us further? So now, uh, we enter the gates. Now, oh, let me just quickly step back a minute, because um, it, Psalms 100 doesn't begin with verse 4. It begins with verse 1. 
so uh, let me just quickly recap. Verse 1 says, uh, we should, uh, look, uh, shout for so lift up a shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Uh, and now the reason, this is important uh, that we give God a shout. And the reason why we want to give God a shout at the beginning is because um, there is an enemy that we face. And there is an enemy that will try to stop you from getting to the gates. Because he doesn't want you to give God thanks. He knows more than you the power of praise. He used to do this for, this is his, his job. He used to be in heaven leading the angels into worship of God until he, he, missed, his, uh, his, his, uh, he missed himself up by wanting to be the one sitting on the throne. And then he got cast out but, uh, and became Satan or the adversary as a result. Uh, but he, so he knows all about this stuff that I'm talking about today. He, he knows it. So he's going to do everything in his power to prevent you from getting to the gates. And so what God says, in order to get you from the, 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 the onslaught of what the enemy will do to plague your mind with thoughts about all kinds of crazy. Have you ever noticed that when you come to church, uh, um, all kinds of stuff about the, the week comes into your head? All the things that you never got to do, or you're thinking about the cooking, you're thinking about you know, all the bits of work that you need to catch up on. All, and all of it comes to focus just when you decide that you're going to pray. Uh, when, I, I want to read, but all of a sudden, this thing comes to my mind. Oh, let me just get to that. But the enemy is trying to prevent you from entering the gates. So God says, this is what you do. Whenever the enemy comes, just open up your mouth and shout to me a praise. Because you can't shout and think about something else at the same time. Try it. You can't do it. So God says, I want you to position yourself to get rid of the things that will try to get you away from the gates and begin to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So for those of us in this room that's struggling, I know it's probably only one or two of you, but one or two of you, we're going to do it together with you. Is that okay? So we're going to lift up a shout to the King of glory uh, because we don't want anyone to miss out on what God wants to do tonight. So I want you, with all of your might and all of the gusto that you have, to lift up your voice, throw your head back, take a deep breath, and shout a hallelujah to your God. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I said shout to the Lord. I said shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> That, that, was, that was weak. Uh, uh, when I said shout, I actually been shout. Now, I, I, I'm an avid uh, Arsenal supporter. I love my Arsenal. Don't boo me down now. I'm, I'm preaching the word of God. Um, so, but as a, when, I, when I go to the games, when I go to the Emirates, and I used to go to Highbury back in the day. I'm, I'm a London boy, as you can tell. So when I used to go to the games and our team scored, there was a, such a noise in the stadium. You, and this is for uh, people uh, kicking a ball into a net. And we made so much noise because our team scored a goal. Uh, let me encourage you to get perspective. God, the provider, the healer, the restorer, uh, the God that healed you when you were sick, the God that raised you up from your bed, uh, that God is worthy of a greater shout than a football going into a net. So let's try the shout one more time. Hey! <laughs> 
shout to God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hey, shout unto God. Yeah, that's a little better. You're getting warmed up. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me because we want to keep going further in. Now, the, it says enter his gates. And the scripture says, moving on, with thanksgiving. Did you see that? With thanksgiving, enter the gates with thanksgiving. And I told you the word thanksgiving means what? Say it louder. Toda. That's the word Toda. Enter his gates with Toda. Um, and I said to you, you could not turn up into the presence of God without a gift. It would not be um, uh, courtesy. It wouldn't be manners. Manneth maketh man. You can't turn up in the presence of God without a gift. So here is a, 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 a gift. It's a box. It's a gift. And, and the thing about this uh, gift, it, it says in the Hebrew, the, the word toda means to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, the reason why it says sacrifice, I'll explain in a second. The, the word in the English dictionary doesn't really help us out. When we think about sacrifices, we're thinking about things that uh, are either slain or killed or something of value to us that we give up for something else. Agreed? That's our definition in the West. But the, the word for sacrifice in Hebrew uh, comes from a root word that means simply to draw near. To draw near. So a sacrifice in the Hebrew mind is nothing about losing something or giving something up. It's about recognizing that actually the gift itself is the, the pathway to proximity. Uh, because if, I, if this was my gift that I was bringing as a sacrifice to the Lord and Pastor Esther was the Lord in this exercise and I needed to get closer to Pastor Esther uh, and I brought my sacrifice the only way that she could receive my sacrifice is if I was to draw near you see that? so the, the sacrifice is the means or the mechanism by which I Say to God, I seek proximity. I, I, I'm coming to you, Jesus. And here is my offering, here is my sacrifice that lets you know that I want to see you. I want closeness to you, God. Uh, and so this is so important to us because the, the, the degree or the level of my sacrifice tells God just how much I seek nearness. Now, you could have brought something smaller and maybe your, your small gift was maybe just a little praise just barely coming from your mouth. Thank you, God. And, and God will receive that. But if David, when he went to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it up to Jerusalem, the Word of God says that every six steps that he took, he made sacrifices. David slew 3,500 animals on the way to Zion. Because he was saying to God, I am desperate for nearness. Uh, I want to say to us tonight, we're going to go again. I want you to go again. This time, I don't want you to stop praising because your neighbor stops praising. Because your neighbor doesn't know what God has done for you. Your neighbor doesn't know how great God has been in your life. 
So uh, only you know how fantastic God is, how amazing his love has been to you. So I want you to now begin to lift up a praise to your God uh, and position yourself like I showed you and begin to do something and say to God, I'm going to bring, like David, an extravagant praise to you to show you that I seek nearness to you, God. Begin. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to lift your voice everywhere. Lift your voice everywhere. Lift your hands. Lift your heart. Lift your voice to him. Let him hear you. Let him hear how, how in love you are with him. How desperate you are for his presence. Lift up your voice, church. Lift up your voice.